0: Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features Coach Randy Schrader, the 2021 NHSSCA State Award winner for Missouri. Hosted by Matt Timets. Welcome to Samson Equipment's Strength Coach Collective. I am your host, Matt Thomas. I'm joined by Randy Schrader. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Always a good day to record a podcast. So for those who are not familiar with you and your background, could you please share a little bit about that?
1: Sure. I was uh, involved in education at the high school and collegiate level for 35 years. Just finished my 35th year. Actually, what three or four months early because of the COVID situation. So, yeah, 29 years of that. Uh, I was a head football coach at the college, uh, Division three level, and 28 years, made most of it at the uh, at the high school level, and then involved in strength and conditioning. So, I've been a teacher. I was a history teacher for 15 years. I was in administration uh, for 15, uh, 16, 17 years, and then coaching and, uh, all those 35 years, except for two
0: and that's when I was the central office administrator. So I'm an educator, uh, and a teacher and a coach. Fantastic. Congratulations on, on your retirement, done everything on all sides of, of sports performance. So I'm excited to get into it. And what is the coolest story or a few of the coolest stories you have from your career?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. In 35 years, you have a lot of them, ups and downs and backs and forth. But uh, that was an interesting question. I got to thinking about that. Uh, I was in the Quad Cities in Iowa, if you're not familiar with Iowa. Iowa it was on the east side on the river, North Scott High School. We had a young man there by the name of Ted Bailey. And Ted came from a uh, family that didn't have a lot. And, and as a freshman, Ted rode a moped 15 miles one way to the weight room. And uh, we were we we're real strict sticklers about you got to be involved in our strength and conditioning program. You need to be involved in all those things. Ted would hop on that uh, that moped. He'd ride it 15 miles one way, turn around, and then we'd go back 15 miles. He did that not only all summers to our weight room, but he did that then into, into practice. When Ted uh, graduated, his uh, teammates got together and bought him a car. And uh, you know that talks about kind of a you know you talk about a championship culture. Uh, that, that's really a culture where it's a, uh, we before me and our kids got together and thought that was important. Teddy ends up uh, going to, in the Marine Corps and, uh, deploys to Iraq, uh, and makes it through that. But, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of what we're all about is that, you know, it's not, uh, it's not just the football. It's not just the weight room, but it's, it's about those relationships. And I think that, that's a prime example of, of some of the young men that have been through our program and and uh, kind of a reflection on what we try trying to instill in our young men.
0: I can only imagine what, what just that – scene just looking up at, at all those guys coming together and then just him looking at that car that was his. So that is definitely a very cool story. And, and I feel like videos kind of like that you see on, you know, Center and ESPN, but it happens in real life. So I can only imagine what, what that must have been like to experience and those young men that you have coached and how they came together. So uh, normally that question is what's the coolest story you have thus far from your career, but I changed it to story slash stories from your career. So very cool. Um, if you had another one or two, uh, you are more than welcome to share those, or we can get on to the next question. But that uh, was a very cool story. I think that one – I don't know if I could top that. <laughs> yeah, definitely I, think, definitely, I think, you
1: know, that that's uh, that's kind of one of those pinnacle things, you know. And that happened um, – would have been in the late 90s, like 97, 98, you know. So, I mean, that's been a long time ago. But that's that's stuck – I tell that story quite often just to have people understand this is what we're all about when you're in our program.
0: When – So were you first on the, in the know when it happened or did you know that they were kind of orchestrating it or basically like the planning of it all? Did you get to experience all of that or just that product?
1: That, you know what, that was all, that was all player driven. And that's what makes it so special is they didn't come to me and say, Hey coach, what do you think? They got together and go, you know, Hey, this kid comes from nothing. He's been dealing with this moped all these years. He, He made it through high school, overcoming all kinds of obstacles I mean it was to the point and I'll share this with you Matt. I he loved peanut butter. And so for Christmas one year I went to Sam's and bought one of those giant Skippy peanut butters for that kid because he had nothing. I mean it really came from nothing. Not not that he had bad parents, they just he just didn't have anything. And so you know our kids just pick up on those things and uh, you know that was all player driven and, and I think that's what makes it so special is that you know they put the time in they did they they did it the, the whole the whole nine yards. Then came to me when it was done to say, "Here's what we're going to do," and I'm just like, "What do you say?" You know, how, how do you even respond to that? You just shake your head and turn
0: away and hope they don't see that tear coming out of your eye. I mean, really, that's the key to it. Yeah, I can only imagine what those those emotions must have felt like. So very cool, very Thanks. cool. Definitely one of a kind story. Yeah. Next big question. So you've been both a sport coach in football and the strength and conditioning coach. So could you share kind of the pros and cons of that dual role and also on the back end of that assuming most of the listeners are primarily strength and conditioning coaches from your experience of having that double role what advice would you give to SNC coaches navigating those conversations with sport coaches because as the field is kind of progressing everyone's realizing that it's more of an integrated model and we're all staffed together just with our own things so kind of how to navigate those convos.
1: Yeah, I've been, you know, my background uh, actually was in bodybuilding for a long time in the late 70s and and 80s. And then I got into powerlifting and, you know, then was, a, you know, in football and then football strength training. So I was always kind of a big, kind of had that background and really got into it. Um, My senior year in college, I was hurt and I didn't play. And so our, our head coach came to me and he wanted me to be a student assistant. And so I did that. And then I also run the weight room. And that was a small division three school in Iowa. And so it was, you know, kind of, I've been doing this for years. So, I mean, even when I had that first barbell set that my mother bought me from Sears and Roebuck, you know, in probably 1966, uh, I've been involved in kind of the strength game and you, and you play around with it and do those type of things. And then when I got into coach came out of college, and was it, right away, got into it as a head football coach. And so in 1982, uh, strength and conditioning uh, was kind of new. I mean, really, nobody nobody was really involved in that. And everybody kind of patterned themselves after Husker Power and Boyd Epley at Nebraska. And so that was the big thing at that point in time, you know, is it was, you know, Husker Power does this. Let's try and replicate that and and do those type of things, and which I think was a mistake that we made early on, is that, you know, in, in a high school venue, you cannot – implement a collegiate strength and conditioning program. You just can't do it. And I think a lot of us made those mistakes from a volume standpoint, from a technique standpoint. You know, you just can't put that on a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid because you don't have the same controls on them. know that you would at the collegiate level at the collegiate level you're controlling you know basically everything that they have and especially now uh, with the nutrition part of everything that's gotten involved especially at the division one level you know so what what you did what i did was you just begin to evolve what works periodization is really big at one time uh bigger faster stronger uh you know it's been around forever and i've been a proponent of bigger faster stronger and 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 use that program for years, uh, because it works, and there's a lot of you know triphasics out there. You can you do fresh contrast, whatever you decide you want to do that works for you. I think that's the important thing to do. But I think at the high school level, uh, especially, you have to be very cognizant of, especially, and I, this is going to lead me into what you asked about the, the multi-sport athlete, is that you're dealing with. You know, I always wanted my quarterbacks to be the point guard. On the basketball team, and he's probably the shortstop on the baseball team, and your and your linemen are going to hopefully wrestle and be shot putters, you know, and those type of things. So, when you're dealing with a multi-sport athlete, you really there really isn't much of an off season. It's not like, you know, in at the end of the state championship game in November. Or if I, if, when I was coaching Division Three football, you know the national championship was in December, you know then you had an off season from say whenever second semester begins in mid January up to spring ball, then through spring ball, and then and then you at a Division Three level we turned them loose in the summer. At that point in time, you had no control over. Them. Actually, I have more control or had more control over high school kids than I did at Division Three level, because at Division Three level your kids all usually go home. You know, you don't see them in the summer. You send the programs home. You try and follow up on them, but it's not—it's not the same as a high school where I had—I have complete, I hate to use the term control, because it sounds kind of negative. But you do for 12 months out of the year, you have control of your kids. But you also have to be cognizant that that kid is a multi-sport athlete, and so when you're—and I—and I've always run the weight room. I always felt like uh, I didn't want someone else at the at the high school level. Anyway, I didn't want someone else training my kids that didn't really know what was going on. And I think that's one of the problems at the high school level is you don't have a certified strength and conditioning specialist. You don't have, yeah, really they have no background. Sometimes it's just a PE guy that they put in there and say, Hey, go run the weight room. And so what does he do? He YouTube something and goes, Oh, let's, let's do the bicep bomber workout today. Or let's do uh, Zumba or let's do whatever the case might be. And so I've always had my fingers in and, and tried to run the weight room and approached it from an athletic standpoint. So when I go to talk to, and I, and I, and I'll tell you this, Matt, I think the biggest thing is and guys at the collegiate level, when you're dealing with female athletes, I truly believe at the high school level that if you get your female athletes into the, into the weight room and they're squatting and they're cleaning and they're benching and they're RDL and then they're doing hex bar deadlifts and doing all of those things that you're, you're, uh, your weight room is going to go to the next level because it is tough when a young man goes in there and the girl beside him who might be uh, you know, the point guard on the basketball team is squatting more than him? It's a it's a great motivator, and I have found that once you get past that stigma that you have to deal with with female athletes, that especially young ones, that I'm going to get big, I'm going to get bulky, whatever the case might be, and you explode that myth with them and explain to them that you can't do that. Do the physiology; it's just not going to happen. Uh, things really begin to happen. So when you talk to sport coaches, you know it has to be I'm going to help your kid move from point A to point B faster. I'm going to help them get off the ground quicker. You know, uh, I I read an article years ago about Bobby Knight, love him or hate him, whatever it is that you want about Bobby Knight, but he wanted his guys in the weight room because he wanted that three point shot to be, you know, an easy thing to do. And you can do that through repetition, but strength also comes into play there. Right. And obviously the game of basketball is such a physical game now that your kids better be in the weight room be strong and, and really work in those, you know, that for us it's, it's, it's really was from the waist down. Right. We want to we want to train we want to squat we want to glute ham we want to RDL we want to deadlift we want to really work that that lower part and the rear chain of the body, and uh, you know we'll do this up here this upper body stuff because everybody wants to do that you know everybody wants to look good with that and build a little armor and keep you healthy but uh, yeah I think approaching when you approach uh, those sport coaches you really have to approach it from a standpoint of I'm going to help your athletes I'm I'm here to help them and the and the weight room is a neutral place everybody comes there to get better. That's why, that's why you do it. You go to the weight room to get better. You're involved in strength and conditioning because you want to get better. You want to get better at your sport. And then, you know, the side note is that obviously you hope that uh, there's a little injury prevention that's involved in with that too, you know? And so I remember talking to a coach years ago at Sabino high school uh, down in Arizona and, and his whole concept was, listen, if my guys are stronger, my girls are stronger, that means they can get out of the way faster. If, somebody's coming to tackle them or they're uh, somebody sliding into them, all right, they fall. So yeah, it really has to be a global view uh, at, at the level that we're at. Now when I was at the college level, it was, it was a lot easier because you're just dealing with that, that athlete. You're not dealing with a multi, not very often do you deal with a multi-sport person. So I can do those things, but it's never, it's never been just about building football players. It's been about building, Athletes, I'm going I'm to help. I'm going to God give you this. Let's try and enhance it. And if we can do that, give you an opportunity to be a little bit more successful, jump a little higher, run a little faster, get out of the way, those type of things, get you through a season without being injured, then that's what we're going to do. And so I, I guess that's a little longer answer than maybe you, what you were expecting, but it, it really is. It has to come down to I'm concerned about the athlete. I want your kid to be better. I, I'm here to help, not hurt.
0: And especially it's it's predicated on communication and it's easy to get kind of prideful more unintentionally than intentionally that I'm the sport coach. I know what I'm doing. I'm the training and conditioning coach. I know what I'm doing, all this stuff. And of course you should be in the position you are because you're qualified. But if you communicate why you're doing what you're doing, how it's going to help contribute to this end goal, the end goal being winning. Okay. I'm going to help Keep your athletes on the field and I'm going help keep them performing at a high level. And the sport coach is obviously going to help them with the technical skills. But communicating and for example with that three-point shot, if the strength coach knows where the sport coach wants them to go, as long as they have a good discussion, and they're all on the same page, then that's when they can kind of work together and how I mentioned it's an integrated model, how they're all more connected or similar than than dissimilar, but they can only work together in unison. By having that open line of communication by saying, hey, what do you want? What do you see with our athletes? What do you want? What do you see with our athletes? Kind of in both of those roles is the strength and conditioning coach and the sport coach and how, like I said, they're more similar than dissimilar. So seeing both sides of the coin, of course, in high school, not all high schools have the resources or facilities or budgets to to have a truly qualified person. But um, when you have that opportunity to, to collab with a sport coach, just open up the line of communication. And that's kind of where it all starts from.
1: And you, and you, and you know, well know this most sport coaches, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they are experts in their sport, right? And, and that's why you're hired as a, as a basketball coach, a wrestling coach, track and field, tennis, soccer, whatever the case may be, because that is your area of expertise, you know, and, and if, in the weight room as a strength and conditioning professional, you know, you have that area of expertise that I can help you get where you want to, want to go. Those are hard. Sometimes those are really hard conversations to have with people because there isn't an intimidation factor about a weight room. If I really don't know it, or I've never been in there and never been involved in it, then I'm going to, you know, whatever I hear on the periphery, I usually take as gospel. And so you have to explode those myths that have been around forever. And a lot of those, you know, things that I fought in 1982 you're in, in 2020 you're still fighting those things you know they're still that well it's going to make you big and slow or you know I, I had a track coach one time tell me he goes well all you want you to do is get your guys you know there is just going to get they're going to get big and slow and I'm going why in the world would I as a football coach would I want my guys to be big and slow I said that is so counter uh, productive to what I'm trying to I want my guys to be big and fast You know, I want them to you know, I'm not really you know, it's it's nice to have, you know, number chase numbers, but you've got to chase wins. You know, I mean, you know, what's what's this is if we do this and, we, and we've always done this is, you know, whatever we're doing as a football coach. or And I I coach basketball. I coach. I was a head track and field coach at the high school level, too. I was a head softball coach at the high school level. So, you know, I just think track and football, obviously, are and anything go hand in hand really well because you have got to run fast. I mean, you, speed is so important and you need to train speed. And you have to do those things. But when I, when I, if I coach linebackers, I use the clean as an example. We're going to get into a clean stance, and this is how we hit. If I'm a shortstop, we're going to get into a clean stance. You know, it, the carryover, I think the, the more you can use the terminology from one to the other, kids begin to – it clicks. It clicks. You know, okay, we're going to get into an athletic stance, and this is where we're going to be. How do you get into a stance when you're playing second base? How do you get into the stance, you know, when you, if you're a linebacker? Uh, how do you do those things? And uh, I, I think that helps that transition and helps explode those myths because then we begin to – we have a common terminology. Uh, even with coaches, it's the same way, you know. You want your kid to jump higher? Here's what we need to do. We need to add some plyos and whatever. But we do know this. We have to get from point A to B faster. That's, that's our main goal. We, we've got to be able to do that. Yeah,
0: being able to speak that language. That's a phrase that I use all the time. And some advice that I give is just going to that sport practice, right? I recently worked with the beach volleyball team at the college level. And I just hopped in one day with conditioning and I made a fool of myself, but the girls appreciated it. And I learned the terminology and just being at practice and everything like that. So being able to speak that language to, to make that connection with the coaches, but also the athletes. Right. And going back to what you said earlier about kind of those myths and the intimidation factor, hey, coach, come watch a lift if you want, you know, or I can take you through my program, answer any questions you have, right? And just opening that communication and showing that you're on the same page on the same team going towards that same goal. So communication, speak that language. It all goes together. Definitely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt. I and if you can't effectively communicate, I mean, if you, if you come in there and you're using all this, 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 and this, and they, you know, all of a sudden their eyes roll back in their head and they're gonna go, <laughs> it means nothing to me. But if I, if I, like you said, now as you get older, you'll understand you won't go out and participate in those conditioning drills. I'm
0: yeah. just,
1: <laughs> right now enjoy it while you can. But you're absolutely right because I can go, hey, you know what? And 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 it also helps you be begin to to build and structure training regime also by going hey you know what here's something that I didn't really notice maybe we need to add a side lunge, or maybe we need to add you know whatever the case might be you know and and so you know I it, it does go both ways but again it, it's a relationship also and you and by doing that you know those girls now they they trust you and that is such an important thing you know you know we ask our kids all like can I trust you right are you committed to excellence and do you care about me as a person those three things, you know, those are those are things that we ask at the beginning of every year. Can I trust you? If you tell me you're going to do something, are you going to do it? Are you committed to excellence? it make a difference on the field, in the classroom, in the weight room, in the hallways, in the community, whatever it is. And then do you care about me as a person? You know, if you truly care about me, you know, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Right. I mean, and that is so true. I don't care where that's at. And, you know, once they trust you and they know you you care about them then you know the sky's the limit then the sky the sky's the limit kids are go, kids are going to buy in kids are going to buy in but they have to trust you and they have to know the why today more so than ever they have to know the why
0: it's all predicated on communication bringing it all together so next big question how has your coaching style both stayed the same and also changed over the years
1: well, I think uh, I said I think you set the bar of the expectations. I believe that people don't care what, people don't care what you think, right? They want to know what you believe. I mean, that's true. And so you set your bar, you set your expectations, and then you hold people accountable to that. Now, there's a difference between fair and equal. Okay. And, and so, you know, a lot of kids are going to come with a lot of baggage. You're going to have some kids you need to understand. Ted Bailey, right? He comes with a lot of baggage. If Ted doesn't get there on time, his moped broke down. I get it. We're going to, we're going to deal with that. But if I've got a kid driving up in a BMW and he's late, we got a different issue. Right. So there's a difference between fair and equal. But I think it's, it really is, you know, set that that standard of expectations that this is how we do do things. This is this is how we go about our business. Uh, a simple example of that is, is what we is is my my rendition of being on time. So it doesn't make any difference where I've where I've been. I mean it doesn't make any difference if, if it was uh, cardinal time, Lancer time, Falcon time, Regent time, demon time, savage time, it's always been the same. five minutes early you're on time you're on time you're late if you're five minutes late you're forgotten and that's been the way it's been that way for 30 years so we have a 6 a.m left we start at 555 when I when I blow the whistle at 555 and you're not there you're late okay and and there'll be a consequence of that I will guarantee you we don't have kids late you'll have one or two late one time and then it it just, it takes care of itself. But I think being on time is a life skill, right? and I've never changed that in, in any place that I've been. I've stressed set a standard, set your core values, be on time, and let's work from there. I do believe that you have, you, I've had to change. I, I know I've had to change just in what kids are dealing with today. I think there's a lot of periphery out there. I, th- I do believe that there's a lot of parents that are living vicariously through their through their athlete, that were have, were never an athlete, and all of a sudden, Johnny's the next, he's he, he's going to be playing on Sundays, right? You know, and uh, I'm trying to teach Johnny how to get into a three-point stance. So I think we've got a ways to go before he gets there. Uh, a lot of parents have never been in a, in a weight room. Uh, they might have been in a Zumba class. They could have been in Jane Ponda's yoga class. Uh, they might be a CrossFitter. Those are different energy systems. Those are different things in what our philosophy has. And so we're training athletes, you know, we're not training a Molly off the street. Who's trying to lose 10 pounds off her gut. We're, you know, we're trying to make a kid a better help enhance their athletic ability with things that we're doing. So, you know, I think communi- it goes back to communication, man. I mean, it really does. You have to over communicate. You have to over communicate. And, and it really isn't my way or the highway anymore. You can't, you can't go that route because there's too many intangibles that play into that. You have to communicate effectively and you have to communicate through different mediums, you know, whether that be in person, uh, Twitter, uh, we use what we call a team app uh, that you know, we send out information constantly uh, to our parents over communicating to people. And when people say, well, I didn't know impossible. Impossible. You got a hard letter. We were told, we put it on Twitter and we communicated through our app, but set your standards, leave them there, be on time, and then over communicate your expectations. No gray areas. You can't have gray. If you've got a gray area, you're going to get bit. Sure as hell, you're going you're to get bit and you can't, you know, there's no recourse for that.
0: Communicating those standards, those things that, those rocks that aren't going to change, but also communicating, hey, what's worked? what hasn't worked, whether it's with the athletes, with the parents, with your coworkers, whatever it may be, because going back to communication, and it's also we're all on the same team for the end goal with this changing time, me as the coach, I have my things that aren't going to change, but kind of me being cognizant of society, time, whatever we want to call it, those changes are happening. And I want to use my resources, AKA just convos communication with the other people making up this big team that's, we're all in this together and I want to do what's best for all of us. So having to get with the times, but also communicating what's not going to change. Very cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So next big question, working with predominantly high school athletes for such a long time as assuming most people want to work with either college or pro athletes. What's the biggest thing that people can take away from your experiences working predominantly with high schoolers?
1: Well, I, you know, and here's the thing and I have, as I've been in this business, whether it be as a, as coaching a sport or in the weight room, I am a true believer anymore. Less is more. Less is maximize your time in what you're trying to accomplish. But you know, less is more. And you know, it's I become when I when I I initially retired in 2014 uh, from the Iowa high school system thing. Then uh, sat around for a couple months and and went bat crazy. Uh, I had the best looking lawn in America, I think, because I had nothing else to do. And uh, my wife, who's a hospital administrator there, and we were in Rockford, Illinois at that time, I got, they hired me as the uh, personal trainer for the health system. Okay, so I I trained doctors, nurses, custodians, techs, whatever, I people with two fake knees, you know, I mean, all kinds of different, completely really out of my wheelhouse, okay, from going with dealing with healthy young athletes uh, to broken down people that really uh, just needed help, right? Needed guidance. And I really became, I, I really felt at that point in time for me, and I was 58 years old at that time, okay? And so uh, for me, it was a great the learning and growing experience and I think that's an example of why you never stop learning right I mean you never, never put yourself in a situation where you've arrived uh, and, and I, I try to be a daily learner. I try to do that even at my advanced age I try to be a, I try to be a daily daily learner. but I really became a better coach dealing with an older population uh, that had all kinds of issues and, it, and specifically mobility issues. And if you look at the athletes that you deal with at the collegiate level or the high school, I don't care where you're at, kids, kids, athletes have mobility issues. They really have Tight hips, you know. Uh, ankle mobility is an issue. Shoulder mobility. I mean, I, I've got a this shoulder's been replaced. You know, this one's going to be replaced. Uh, and why? Well, it was it was great to get in there and you know it was fun benching 400 pounds. You know, at one time and uh, you know that was it. And and I'm paying for that because I didn't work on those. Other things, the 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 uncool things, right? The stretching, the bands, the mobility, the foam rolling, all those type of things. And so, by dealing with an older population and a population overcoming uh, uh, injuries, I became a be- I really became a better coach and became more cognizant of mobility. Uh, became a real proponent proponent that time of farmer walks and suitcase carries just to balance out the body and the core. Cause if you get a lady that weighs 300 pounds and she can't get down on the floor, you're not going to have her do planks. Right. But I can have her pick up a kettlebell and walk around. You know, I could do that. And, uh, and then the feedback, and then seeing them progress through that, you know, whether it be in weight loss, they felt better, or they were able to move better. So I, I really began to apply that a little bit more into the less is more philosophy. And I did the same thing in my coaching thing, you know, it is less is more become really, really, really good. Become really, really good at just a few things. And then just work on those things. It's the same way in the weight room. You know, it's like the five fundamental human movements, right? You got to push, pull, carry, hinge, squat, right? You need to do those five things. You know, if you, if you can push, pull, hinge, carry, squat, and everything else, that's a great. That's a great workout, and that's a Dan John thing. And I don't know if you're familiar with Dan John or not, but you know he's he he he, he makes sense to me, right? And in, in a lot of his philosophies, when it comes to that, and of course he's he likes a little bit older population, but he also deals with a lot of military people. But I think if you build programs around that, those things, and then then you figure the volume out, you know, you figure the volume out. But you know, is five sets better than three? You know, is four sets better than eight? It, you know what, whatever the case might be, but where is the sweet spot where I'm going to get my maximum? What I'm trying to get out of this, and then get the hell out of there. Go. You are going to do something extra. Kids always ask, well, what can I do extra? Go sprint. Go sprint. You know, it's what a great strength exercise. Go sprint. Find a hill, run up it as fast as you can. Not till you drop and leave a little in the tank. But I, I really. I progressed to that point where let's get our work done and then let's go recover. And I think, uh, that's the biggest thing that I would tell people is don't get so caught up in well, I have to spend, you know, I'm interested. I kind of offset, but I was at a foot high school football practice yesterday, just watching. That's what you do when you're old. You just go to practices and watch. And uh, this coach had two and a half hours programmed into his practice. And there was at least 30 minutes of that time where they just stood around. You know, they were just standing. and But he stayed out there the entire time because he had practice planned for that time. And I'm like, there's 30 minutes you just, you know, let's get rid of that. Now you've squeezed it down to two hours. And to be honest with you, if you're out on the field for two hours, you're still doing a lot of standing around you, unless you're practicing fast and everybody wants to be fast. You know, everybody wants to practice fast. So maximize your time, get your work done, then go figure something else out because life's not going to leave. You need to enjoy it. So less is more. That's where That's where I'm
0: at. Less is more crushing those fundamentals. And especially at that high school level, whether it's allocating that extra time to getting a few more quality sprints in, hey, get on top of your homework, go sleep, because that's what you really need. Everyone wants to get super complicated with bands and chains and all of these, all of these different training methodologies and whatnot, where it's like, if I can get you in the weight room three days a week consistently, and we, we absolutely master those basics – the less is more, we're going to have a lot of results. And then only once we master those, then we can move on to the more stuff, some of those fancy exactly. things. So whether it's people getting ahead of themselves or just wanting to kind of do the cool things just to do them, you know, how far those those fundamentals, the less uh, can take you, definitely.
1: Well, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about consistency. You know, consistency, you know, slow and steady wins the race. You can't, you can't push you know it doesn't make you never see how much time you know you're only you're only going to get stronger at a certain rate you know as you get older i mean you know you see at the collegiate level usually when somebody hits that 19 to 20 year old age boom all of a sudden they just explode right i mean it's like oh my god what just happened you know they're they're moving big weight and they're and they're monsters they become monsters you know at the high school level you know, you're starting with a kid that's 14 years old, and he and you can't put a bar on his back. You can't, you can't do it. You just can't. You're going to goblet squat him. You're going to work on mobility. You're going to work on a, on on hips. Going to work all technique, do all those things. And then when they become a sophomore, you start doing some front squats and do some loading and all those type of things. But then you deal with uh, strength inequities, you know, on one side or the other, they got a hip issue, you know, I mean, got a lot of valgus in the knees, you see a lot of that, because their quads are so weak, uh, you know, deal with Osgoods, you deal with all those type of things, because, you know, they're just, they haven't, they've over, they play baseball nine months out of the year, right, and, they, they, you know, they sh- their shoulder issues, or they're only a volleyball player, and they wonder why they don't get any better in doing other things, you know, so it's, you know, you, you have to deal with that stuff, and and you have to be smart about what you're trying to do. And, and so what's the best bang for my buck? I'm going to squat them. What's the best bang for my buck? I'm going to clean them. What's the best bang for my buck? In my opinion, I'm going to hex bar him. You know, what's the best bang for my buck? We're going to glute ham kids. Okay. You know, we're, we're going to work hard on, on, on rear chain stuff. Everybody wants well, you know, you you've done this too. Everybody likes the mirror muscles, right? You know, everybody likes it. If I look in the mirror, you know, I'm going to see my biceps and my chest. But what about those traps and and that back and those hamstrings, you know, those things that are going to help you become better at your sport? Those are the things that we need. And so, you know, if I'm going to stress, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go, we're going to squat. You know, and we've always done some type of squat movement every day. You know, I mean, not heavy, but we do some type of squatting movement every day because our our hip mobility is so freaking bad. And so we just felt that we need to do something, you know, whether it be a just a stick overhead squat in a warm up, uh, some type of squatting movement under a hurdle, it might be a goblet squat, it could be a front squat, it could be a split squat, you know, whatever it is. But we try to, we try to do some type of a squatting movement because of the poor hip uh, mobility that we see today in young athletes. So Absolutely.
0: Fantastic. Next big question. So this is a quote from an interview that you contributed. If all you teach is football, you really failed your job. And there's the rest of that sentence. But that concept or that part of the quote, tying that into strength and conditioning. Uh, could you just kind of elaborate on that, but tying that into kind of strength and conditioning um, and just expand for the listener? Well, I think, you know, the great
1: thing about guys at the collegiate level, especially is you spend so much time with kids, right? With the athletes. You spend more time with the athletes than the coaches do. And so it goes back to relationships. I, I really believe, again, it goes back to people don't care how much you know until you know how much you care, until they know how much you care. And you have to build those relationships and that trust factor with those young people. And they have to know that you truly care about them outside of the confines of that weight room. You know how are your grades doing? How's things at home? You know how's Grandma? You know know something about them, uh, because especially I, I think today I mean mental health issues uh, is is pretty close to 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 me. I mean my I, you know I've had to deal with it from my family. My son's a veteran. Um, you know so we've had to, we've dealt with mental health issues uh, uh, for for a number of years here now. And So and I think you know kids deal with a lot of stuff you know today and. Uh, social media, I think, is partly to blame for that because nobody has to own that. You know, I can say something awful on a tweet or in a Facebook post, whatever the case, my Instagram, and I don't have to own that. Because I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, if I had to say that to your face, you know, I'm not going to do that because I might smoke you. You know, it could happen. But, you know, so getting to know that kid and understanding when they come into your into your facility and they're going, you know, something's not right. You know, something's not right with with Billy. Something's going on. And if I've got a relationship with him, I go, hey, you know, you okay, man, you know, as say, stop, talk to me later. You know, let's, let's have a conversation. Billy comes to me and says, hey, I had problems at home last night. You know, mom's been having issues and uh, dad's gone or, or whatever the case may or my grandma's been sick or whatever. Billy now has an outlet Is going to be able to uh, come to you and, and, and you can get him the help that he needs or at least have something to talk to and pass it on to the professionals that deal with those type of things. So I think that relationship component must opens up communication, uh, which opens up the trust factor uh, is so important just because uh, long after you're, that, that young man or young woman's gone, uh, you would hope that they're going to come back and, and visit and visit you because I'm going to tell you, uh, I get the most satisfaction out of getting emails and communication from from, uh, from people that I coached in the 80s in the nineties that reach out to me and say, Hey coach, you know, I want you to know, I appreciate, I just had a text conversation with two young men last night that I coached in the late eighties uh, who are now coaches. Um, and uh, they, they wanted to, we were talking about culture and uh, you know, they talked about, you know, what, you know, in 1989, uh, this is how you did it. And we want you to know that we've carried that on. You know, today and take and, and obviously they take the good, throw away the bad. Uh, but you know, you've made an impact on us, and and we want you to know we appreciate it. And and, and so we went back and forth for about an hour last night, uh, just about that. So, um, I, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that that if it was just about football, that wouldn't happen. You know, it's it's about relationships and it's about caring about people and uh, and, and truly caring them, not superficial. I mean, that deep-rooted, how can I help you? Um, how can I help you get what you want, right? How can I help you get what you want? Because I'm already getting what I want. I, I, I chose this profession. profession didn't choose me. I chose this profession because this is what I wanted to do. But if I can help, how can I help you get where you need to be? And if you've got issues, uh, we can get through this. So, yeah, it's all about relationships.
0: And with that example you just gave at the end, as well as the the moped car story, you didn't mention any championships. You didn't mention any amount of wins, no PR, squat, clean bench numbers. It's those text messages, those emails, those phone calls that happen 10, 20 years down the road. And that's not why we're doing it, obviously. It's not like, oh, I'm planning on getting 20 emails in 20 years, you know. But, but that's the stuff that really matters. And it really isn't about football. Like all those things that you're able to teach those kids about being on time about communicating, about helping them with those things that happen outside of the weight room. And it's easy to get caught up in the numbers and the records and stuff like that, but I guarantee if, if there was a, a reunion with some of your athletes, they wouldn't be able to tell you what their max numbers were or how much they progressed or whatever it may be. They're going to talk about how much fun they had, those, those grinding workouts and different things along those lines. So definitely it, it is not about lifting heavy weights. In the in the big picture, of course, there's so much more that goes into it. So, that was a very very cool answer.
1: Yeah, and, it's uh, You know, and if we and if we met, it, it, and we talked talking about chasing numbers, right? You know, we all chase numbers, and you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, I, that goes back to you know, if you're a strength coach, you you're you have your expectations, but it but it's a safe environment. Your facility is a safe environment. You know, people come in there and they know that you that you care about them and I'm here to help you. You know, if it's the football field I'm here to help you. If it's the basketball court I'm here to help you. If it's the wrestling mat, soccer pitch, tennis court, sand volleyball, whatever the case might be might be, we're here to help you. Okay, we're here to help. You, you know, I'm not but the, but the flip side of that is is that we do have our expectations you got to meet it, And if you don't want to do that, you know, there's the door. You know, because we're not going to, you know, you're not going to contaminate uh, what we're trying to accomplish. And you're always going to run across a kid like that. I mean, you, everybody's dealt with them, right? But you never know when the light bulb's going to pop on and they're going to get it. Okay? They, they, they're going to get it. And that's why I've always been a believer in if you, if one of my roles from all of my assistant coaches, you know, regardless, and it was my role in the weight room. When I was running the weight room, I was his coordinator up in Savannah my last three years i of running the weight room up there. One of my one of my goals one of my rules for all my assistant coaches and myself was that if we're on a practice field, I want you to make the attempt to physically touch as many kids as you can. Now, put your arm around them, tap them on the helmet, whatever, but, I, you know, how are you today? Everything going okay? Are we okay? You do that because it is so important because – it may be the only positive that that young man or that young woman gets the entire day, you know? And so for me, the football field was my sanctuary because the world is right, was right for me on the football field for all those years. Well, you know, if I coached basketball, it was a court, softball, whatever. The weight room was a sanctuary. I could go in there and the world was right. You know, the world was right now. Some kids, they're not going to work as hard as you want. And then you got the other ones. that are just going to bust it and get after it. But, you know, whether you're one or you're 90, you're important. You're, you are important to us. And uh, you have, I, it's, and it takes work. And it's hard sometimes because you're tired and you're like, oh, God, I don't want to deal. Handle it. Get busy. Put a freaking smile on your face. Throw down some freaking Red Bull, whatever you do, and let's get busy. And because those, your athletes expect you to bring it. I always tell so you, attitude and effort, you control it, right? You control your attitude and effort and everything else. I always would always tell my kids where I'm going to bring my best every day. Every day, you're going to get my best. Now, as I got older, it was harder, you know, to do that. And so, you know, I was, I was into the, whatever energy I could get into me, but I'm going to give you everything that I've got every day. Yeah, you can expect that from me. What do I expect from you? Great effort,
0: great attitude. Consistency. And if they know what to expect from you, there's no surprises, then that's subsequently going to help them get in their element when it's time for you guys to kind of do your thing on the weight room, on the field, whatever it may be. So Absolutely. fantastic. So we've we've alluded to this kind of on and off throughout this entire chat. Uh, it, commitment to excellence do you trust me? And then there's one more of the three. Um, you care but about me as a person. Yes. No. Uh, what are a few key things? Not to, we could talk about this one question for I don't even know how long, but what are a few key things to developing both culture and buy in as those are very kind of buzzwordy, but also, but like at the real root of what those things are and how you actually develop them?
1: Well, I think it goes back to those expectations. Now, as a sport coach, uh, we would always go through. Uh, i did I, we would have a leadership class with my seniors to be and i would i would teach that okay when we would lay, lay out what is leadership here's the thing so even in your weight room you know it, you know coach goes, hey, who's the leader in here somebody step up and be the leader what does that mean what does that look like and so if you're going to preach that you better teach it you better teach what leadership looks like. You better give people the tools that they need to be able to be a leader. Because some kids might think, well, I'm just going to chew somebody's ass and we're going to leave it at that. And that's not what that, at that point in time, that's not what we needed, right? So I always, and we have, I've done this for years, we t- I would teach a leadership class to people, to our kids, and show them and teach them, here's what we're talking about. This is, what, this is what I mean. This is how you hold a teammate accountable, right? Sometimes it might be you have to go and put your arm around them and whisper in their ear, you need to get your ass going. Okay, you need to get busy. This, this is unacceptable. And the other one might be as simple as give them the look, right? Mm-mm, shake your head, you know, and, you know, the other one might be I have to call somebody out. And that's hard to do. I mean, that, that, is, that is not normal, Okay, that's not a normal situation uh, for young kids, young men and women to call each other out. It's just not, it's not, number one, it's not popular. Uh, sometimes the wrong person's calling people out too, you know? So you have to, you gotta, you gotta get that happy medium. So I just think that you you set your, what are your core values? You know, is it, you want to be relentless in the weight room. you never want to never miss a rep. Every rep counts, right? Regardless of where you're at, every rep counts warm up work sets cool down every rep counts you know on a, on the practice field every rep counts because if i've got a bad rep here it's going to translate into the competition right if, if i'm if i'm not doing the things i need to do here it's not going to work out on you know when the lights are on the popcorn's popping and cheerleaders are cheering and the band's playing it's good you're going to get exposed okay you know so I think every, every rep counts, you got to be de- genuine. You, you alluded to it. I think consistency is so, what can kids expect of you? You know, when they come into your room, what do they expect of you? You know, oh, God, is he going to be this way today? Is he going to be that way today? Is he going to be, ha, 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 joke, joke, joke? Or is he just going to be tearing people's face off? You know, whatever the case might be. But being consistent, you know, bringing that juice, bringing that juice every day. And I, and I think as a strength coach, I think that is so important. You know, and it's – you know, it's it's a profession where there's just that instant gratification because somebody hits a lift or the vertical goes up or whatever. I mean, it's tangible, right? You see it. It's recorded. I have that in there. Uh, and if I go watch them, you know, play in a game and I see that trans transfer from my weight room onto the field of play, whatever that might be, I mean, that's instant gratification for you guys because you, all the time you put in with them. But, I, you know, I just – you just got to have that leadership. You got to have that trust. You got to believe in people. Um, I, it's just, it, you know, you have it or you don't. I mean, you know, yeah, you can't manufacture um, belief. Does that make sense? You know, you just can't manufacture belief. And when people believe, when 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 people believe that you believe in them, they're going to freaking run through walls for you, you know. And and a genuine belief, genuine caring. I think is so important. Uh, if you're going to be any longevity in this sport, in this profession, um, it, it's got to be based on relationships, communication, belief, trust, and then teaching teaching people what you want them to what you want them to know. You go from there.
0: I like the uh, if if they believe that you believe in them, because of course, strength coaches believe in all of their athletes, but I'm sure if you ask all every single one of them. Do you believe that they believe in you? You might get some no's. Um, so being able to to just however that that manifests itself, whether it's just consistency, having that conversation, whether it's kind of some unspoken things. Um, but last on that topic, could you uh, please repeat the the three things you said earlier that you you ask your sure. athletes?
1: Can I trust you? Are you committed to excellence? And do you care about me as a person? You know, and no, and I, I you know I got that from Lou Holtz. Uh, in the '80s, when he was at Notre Dame, and uh, this is kind of my rendition of it. His is a little bit different, but um, I just think if you just and and really, you know, you could say you you could call those three core values, right? You know, because trust is. I mean, it's everything, every relationship is built on trust. You know, and I'll trust you till you lie to me. Okay, and then you know, okay, let's get through this. But you get, you know, lie to me once, my fault. Lie to me twice. It's not gonna happen, right? Um, you know, are you committed to excellence? And that encompasses everything that you do, okay? Everything that you do, uh, when you're in your classroom, when you're outside of the, of the facility, uh, when you're in the practice field, when you're in the training room, when you're in a strength facility, you know, you're carrying, you're a representative of our program, right? Because you've got the, is emblazoned on your shirt, you're a representative of our organization. You know, and, and I've always told uh, kids, no matter where you're at, uh, you know, whether it was a Division three level or high school level, if you go ripping out of this facility and somebody across the street sees you driving like an idiot and they call the school, they're not going to say, hey, did you know Billy, the science student, is out there driving crazy? They're going to say, no, there's Billy, the football player or the wrestler, whatever, because you are a representative of that program. You know, and then do you really care about me as a person? And that goes back to the relationships. You know, do you do you care? So if you know if I've got a problem at home, you, uh, you need to know you can come and talk to me about that. You need you got an issue with a girlfriend? Let's talk about it. You you have an issue with uh, not having any money in your in your account? You come to me. We'll we'll find a way to make it happen. You need shoes? We'll get you shoes. You need peanut butter, we'll get you peanut butter. You know, whatever the case might be, no, you know, you can count on me. And we'll, or if, if I can't get it, then I'll figure out a way to do it. So, those three things, I think it doesn't make any difference where you're at. You know, can I trust you? You know, are you committed to excellence and do you care about me as a person?
0: are just three really great core values, I think, for anybody in any profession, any endeavor fantastic so uh two more questions one bigger one smaller but i'm all about tying things into actionable things you know we could talk about this kind of theoretical all day but how does it make us better coaches when we actually go and do so in all of your experience in your advanced age what are one to three actionable things that the listener can start doing tomorrow to become better
1: bring the juice. You got to bring that energy every day and positive energy. I'm talking about, you know, if you can bring, you know, when a kid walks into your facility they know what they're going to get, you know, and and they, they, you know, that, that takes that anxiety level down too. And I think I, you know, in today's environment and what we're all going through, who knows, right? I mean, we, where's the one consistent place that I can go is going to be in the weight room. Right there should be. I mean, I you know, forty-five pounds is forty-five pounds. You know, I put two twenty-five on a bar. I don't care if I'm in Savannah, Missouri, or if I'm in in uh, T- uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's two hundred and twenty-five pounds. That consistency, and then the person running it. You know, what what are they going to be? What are they going to be like there? Are they going to greet me with a hey, how you doing today? You know, this is a great day to be a freaking whomever, or is going to be you know, my head's down and I'm worried about something else. You know. I'm, You know, I, they, that person coming into your facility wants to be recognized. One of the greatest things you can do to another human being is recognize their existence, right? I mean, everybody wants to be part of something. And I, and I think that's on time. You know, it's just you've got you to be consistent in what you're doing every single day that those doors of that facility are open. You can't have a freaking bad day. Okay? You can't have a bad day. I don't care how bad you feel. Figure out a way to feel better. You're not going to have a bad day, you know, and uh, once you get that mentality that that's, that's the way it's going to be, then your kids know what to expect on that. And, you know, And um, I think organization is huge, and every strength coach is organized. You know, I mean, we're to a point, I mean, we're, we're manic. Uh, when it comes to organization, you know, and uh, I always tell people, I can always tell a good program, uh, in all the places that I've ever been, if I'm interviewing for a job, I'm gonna go to the weight room. I wanna see how organized the weight room is just in terms of if it isn't picked up, okay? If I, wait, if I walk into a weight room and there's a dumbbell out of place, I lose my mind because that, that place, you know, it's a sanctuary, right? You better make, if you use something, you better put it back. If your weight room's not in order, that's, that's a lack of discipline. Yeah, okay, you've just shown to me it's not important to you. That's a lack of discipline. You know, how do your kids dress? All right. Are they all, you know, is, is there this, everybody in a different type of deal and whatever? You know, to me, that's just, that just shows a lack of discipline you know, as you go in, and a lack of ownership as you go through that. You need to create ownership by, you know, whatever it is. This group, you're, you're in charge of cleaning the weight room today. You make sure we walk around, make sure everything's put in place. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with teaching people that, you know, you need to pick up after yourself, right? There's a piece of paper on the floor, pick it up. You know, pick the garbage up, clean your locker room, clean your weight room, whatever you got to do, keep it clean. But, uh, you know, that you just, you got to be consistent. You got to, you got to build that ownership into it. And, And sometimes that's coercive. I understand that, but they'll get it. If you, if, if, if the communication is consistent with your attitude and they hear the same speak every day. It becomes part of their DNA. So, one of our things is always be the standard. Be the standard. You know, expect to win. You know, and that doesn't apply just to athletes, expect to win in everything that you do. Um, but be the standard. Be the standard that you expect people to be. I guess that's the best way. I, uh, long answer, short. There you go.
0: Fantastic. So we are running up on the one-hour mark, a few hours left, or a few minutes left. (laughs) Open the floor up to you. So in your advanced age, what's on the schedule to keep you busy with all this free time?
1: Well, you know what? Until until this virus hit, um, I was looking at uh, helping out with a little NAIA school up in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, at Grandview, who you know won a national championship a few years ago, it was 2013. I would known that coach up there for a while. I was going to go up and help him out, uh, coach him, but then with the virus, uh, that kind of put the hiatus on that, you know. And but and then uh, you know, I was just like I said, I was at a football practice yesterday, just kind of watching somebody. So this fall, um, I'm going to try and get get myself back in some semblance of shape. Um, hit the hit the uh, hit my home gym hard, and then. I'm going to start visiting different high schools and kind of see how they do business uh, on a football field and in their weight rooms and just try to keep on making certain, uh, that I stay sharp, stay on top of my game and be that life lifetime learner that that I need to do. And I've got some time to do that. I'm married to, to an outstanding lady. Uh, we'll be married 44 years here coming up pretty quick. And, uh, you know, she's a football nut, too, and, uh, and and was a great athlete and still an avid runner. So um, we're going to – she's allowing me, uh, I guess, to be uh, kind of lazy. Uh, I'm great at doing the laundry now. Uh, I've become an expert in the air fryer. So if anybody wants to do it, know anything about an air fryer, just get a hold of me and go from there. But yeah, my, my, I'm just going to travel around, and I'm going to visit as many colleges that, that are still going, Obviously, it's not many uh, right now, and as many high schools in Missouri and in Iowa because they're still going to run their their uh, their football seasons and just visit practices and, and weight rooms and uh, try and get better, try and get better.
0: Yep. Yeah, fantastic. So congratulations again on your retirement, and thank you very much for your time and for your awesome stories.
1: Hey, man, I really appreciate having the opportunity. Thank you so much.
0: All right.